Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown, our Week 11 CFL recap here tonight. Uh, I'm Ryan Coop alongside Adam Stewart, Trey Colbeck. No, we don't have a quarterback controversy here tonight. Mike is away on vacation, so I take back the keys and to sit in the hot seat here, posting the recap this time around. I'm sure we'll talk a lot of quarterback controversies here tonight, though. It should be a lot of fun. We had four great games this past weekend, lots of news to talk about. We'll go through all of that here tonight. Uh, we'll also give our players of the week. We will uh, update our fantasy betting results and update our power rankings as well. Of course, we'll also take your comments and questions in our live chat all night long. We are live on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, of course, uh, and on the Game Time TV YouTube page. Shout out to our presenting sponsor, Game Time TV. Learn more all about it at facebook.com slash GameTimeTVMB. Before I bring in the rest of the panel for the evening, I do want to mention we are a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. And as always, I want to acknowledge that the Canadian Football Countdown is brought to you from Treaty 1 Territory, traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Oja Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as from Treaty 4 Territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota and Métis Nation. Now let's bring in the rest of our panel here this evening. It's uh, the Sir of Storylines himself, the great uh, Adam Stewart is here tonight. Good evening, Adam. Good evening, Ryan. It uh, feels weird here on a Monday without a mic here. I, uh, I'm used to usually coming on here, getting insulted about being a Rough Rider fan and moving on later on, but uh, ah, you and Trey could do a pretty good job of that too, I'm sure. So uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of miss Mike, but uh, we'll see him next week, I'm sure. So, yeah, get ready to get to uh, talking about some CFL football. So, Right on. Well, happy to have you here tonight. And, of course, joining us as well is the great Trey Colbeck. Trey, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. Uh, a little quiet today, so I don't know how I'm going to be feeling. But uh, I won't be saying too much bad about the Rough Riders because I'll have to have to go drive there and sit there for a little bit. So I don't want to get attacked on there. Be like, hey, that's the guy from the podcast that said something stupid about us. But uh, no, he'll be fine. <laughs> yes, uh, going going to the Labor Day Classic here in uh, in a week and a bit. They're very exciting. Uh, good for you, Trey. Hope you have a lot of fun there. Uh, we're going to get into talking about the storylines here right away. But before, but first, I want to thank our sponsor. Uh, the, this episode of the podcast is brought to you in part by BetStamp. There are a lot of different sports books out there these days. Everyone offers you different prices. Prices change throughout the week. How do you ensure that you are getting the best value? Well, BetStamp provides you all of the different odds across all the different sports books on the same game. It shows you which ones are the best. It shows you all of the options available to you. You can pick the one that you feel is right for the pick you're looking to make. Uh, and if you find the odds you like, you click on it right through there. You can go to the Bet link page on the BetStamp site and sign up for the corresponding sportsbook affiliates. Uh, if you want extra insight before you place your wagers, check out the BetStamp commission-free marketplace. You can see picks other people are making on the same games you're betting on. You can see our picks there as well. Search CF Countdown Pod. You can find our consensus picks we make every Wednesday night. You can also find Trey's uh, picks over there. At, uh, I believe it's Trey CF Countdown is the username there. So make sure you follow us over on there and see how our picks are doing each week. Of course, with the BetStamps verified bet tracking, you get the guarantee that the odds others have picked based on are verified and legitimate. We're not making it up as we go along, uh, unlike the rest of the podcast. 
Uh, visit betstamp.app or download the free app from your local app store and sign up with referral code CFC. Start using Betstamp today. Track your wagers and uh, always bet responsibly. Now, Adam, over to you with our first game of the week. Yep. So our first game of the week was on Friday, uh, sort of afternoon, I suppose, uh, for the Southwest, out east. It was Friday evening uh, when the Edmonton Elks traveled over to Ottawa and took down the Ottawa Red Blacks, uh, 30 to 12 in this one here. Uh, really a story of uh, the second half. Taylor Cornelius absolutely turned it up, uh, started going and having just an excellent game in that second half. Uh, connecting with Darrell Walker for his first touchdown of the year. Kenny Lawler got one. And also, I believe, the running back, uh, Malashi Leader, I believe, uh, Leader, if I say that right. Milanovic Leader uh, getting a touchdown as well. Uh, Ryan, why don't you go first and uh, talk about uh, the Red Blacks or the Elks in this one first? I mean, no surprise that uh, two-win Elks team, of course, finds a way to win in Ottawa against a one-win Red Blacks team who has not won at home in forever. And I mean, you can say the same thing about both of these teams, which makes it interesting that they now play uh, in Edmonton this coming week. We'll get to that on Wednesday. But it seems, you know, the home, it's its almost like home field disadvantage uh, at this point. And for the Elks, maybe it's road field advantage. Edmonton came in here. They got the job done. I was expecting more from Ottawa coming out of the bye week here. Uh, and the big thing for me with with you know, Ottawa early on is Caleb Evans was running everywhere. Uh, he had 82 rushing yards. He had a good touchdown on the day, and it seemed like that was going to be a force to be reckoned with. But the passing game just wasn't there for Ottawa. And it seemed, you know, you're starting to talk early on about, okay, this is going to be a good game. This feels like it's going to be a good Caleb Evans game. And then it just dried up from there. And then it became a question of, well, now do you put Nick Arbuckle in? I mean, Evans is running well, but he's not passing properly. You know, do they keep him in for the running ability? Do they go to Nick Arbuckle? I don't even think Paul Apolise knew, to be honest. He ended up going Arbuckle's direction there for a part of the game. Uh, he filled in, and, uh, well, they just couldn't get the job done. Very disappointing effort here by the Red Blacks, who every time you think maybe they have something, they just don't seem to have it, and it's becoming more and more frustrating to watch a team that – seemingly brought in all the talent in the offseason and can't get it together and one week after another you're starting to wonder more and more we talk about this every week is when is it going to be it for Paul Apolise are we going to see them eventually get to a point where they do make a change mid-season but uh Trey what do you think on on this effort from the Red Blacks I don't even know if I can call it an effort like that's the thing like it it was it was another one of those games I think I said in our group chats there's a lot of mediocre games and gameplay like it, it turns into great exciting games near the end but it's not really a lot of great gameplay it gets really hard to pick our players of the week when Nathan Rourke's really the only one doing anything and Ryan takes him first overall every week you know so we don't have a chance to and then it's like well do we all pick BC Lions and well it goes from there but yeah I think I don't know Lapo some of these go on there with Lapo like that's my two biggest takeaways from this game is Ottawa side, something needs to be done. It's either Nick Arbuckle, it needs to be Lapo, needs to be something, unless you just wash the season. But again, they're only two games down. It's not the end of the world. Sorry, three out of a playoffs. Well, two, I guess, with the playoff spot. But with Edmonton, who I think I said last week, I said if Edmonton wins and another green team lost, things get interesting at the bottom there in the West, right? They're only two games down, and, and Edmonton's got another one against Ottawa. And I believe then 
back to back against Calgary or so at least one against Calgary. And over that time, Saskatchewan's got Winnipeg and BC. So it's going to get things, things are going to get sticky down in the West. That's what I, again, I think I said called this what the battle for uh, Curtis Rourke. If he was eligible this year, this would be the battle for first round and turned out to be that way. But Edmonton, let's see if Edmonton can get their first home win next week in a long time. You know, looking at this game here, I was on the way to Regina, so it was very tough for me to watch most of this one. Uh, but I did watch a little bit of the fourth quarter when I got into Harvard uh, 620 uh, studio rounds there over in Mosaic Stadium. Uh, pretty much anybody watched that last play of the game, I think it was like a uh, bouncer, a uh, little ba- deflected by uh, uh, Caleb Devon's pass was deflected, and really nothing ever happened of it. And I hate to say it, that kind of reminds me, it seems very similar to what Paul LaPolice's career has been so far in Ottawa. Either it gets deflected, either something happens. You know what? I don't know if it's Paul LaPolice's fault, but they need a change in Ottawa, I think, at this point. I don't think that he's got the locker room, especially not in the offensive side of things. Look, you've got William Powell. He should be great out there. Uh, nothing happened. You now have Devontae Dedman, who's returning for the Ottawa Red Blacks, which is a big, big positive. Let's hope that turns it around because if it does, uh, that could be huge. Otherwise, yeah, something's got to happen here and it could happen after Labor Day as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Ryan, what did you think on the uh, Edmonton Elks? You didn't talk about them earlier. Uh, Seem to have a little bit of success here with Taylor Cornelius. Yeah, yeah, I've got to give Taylor Cornelius credit because I did not expect big things from him this season. It seemed like he was going to maybe be the odd man out in that quarterback rotation, and now he's gotten the starting job, and he's picked up a couple of wins. They're undefeated against the East Division. I believe them and BC are the only uh, the only team. Somebody was sending me that stat this week. Uh, I believe it was Superfan Mike from the, the Turf District. Edmonton and BC are the only two teams undefeated against the East Division, so... Uh, as much as we talk about Edmonton's struggles this year, they've won the games they should, and that's a start. Now you got to go out and win the games against your own division to try to climb up the standings. That's another question. But that's a good start for a team trying to build something, is win the games you should. And arguably the games against the East are the games they should. And I think they're finding a lot of success by letting Taylor Cornelius run with the ball because last week he had that major game. This time he put up 47 rushing yards on the day. Yeah, he wasn't the most accurate passer, but 208 yards, two touchdowns. He got the job done. The defense shut down Ottawa. I I think this was a good all-around effort by Edmonton here, who now, you know, have the chance they face this team again next week and potentially have the chance to go and uh, rack up a couple of wins here and make things interesting in that West Division. So I said all season long, early in the season, Edmonton's going to get better down the stretch. I don't know how much better they get, but don't count them out in that West Division yet. I think I think Edmonton's got a shot at, at making something happen. Trey, what do you think in there on Edmonton? Anything else you got? No, I just think Cornelius is one of those guys who, after a couple more games, maybe this season, he could be the guy in Edmonton. You know, he's I like I like him. Like he's a pretty tall guy, seems to be able to move, and that's all I really got to say about Edmonton. No. I just wanted to bring up one quick little thing on the Edmonton Elks, uh, and that's Deron Carter. Now, there's a reason why I'm bringing up Deron Carter. Nine punt, uh, yards at punt returns, four tackles, has not – I mean, is it time already, Edmonton, to admit that this maybe was not the right idea 
I to me from the stats from what I've seen, he's been getting burned in uh, defensive in the secondary a few times. This week he didn't, uh, but he has in the past here. He had, did not do much for coverage this week. Again, I said four tackles. Either put him back onto the offense, let him try to make a reception, or maybe it's time to move on from Deron Carter. Uh, quick thoughts before we move on to the next game on that one, guys. Uh, Ryan. Well, more than to just Deron Carter, first of all, yeah, I don't think the experiment's quite working out, but uh, it seems to be one of those guys that Chris Jones loves and is going to keep putting him out there in any variation he can. But for me, the bigger appalling thing is, when are the Elks ever going to get a kick return game again? It's been years since we've seen a successful game. Like, they brought in Terry Williams for a couple of years. You'd expect that to be successful. No, not really. Like, uh, it seems to be a constant rotation of, okay, let's try this guy, let's try this guy. Everybody else seems to be having no problems finding a, a diamond in the rough to, to be their kick return master. So I don't know what it is about Edmonton. I don't know if it's the blocking in front of them, but the, it's a facet of the game that's just not helping them out right now. And good football teams get good field position out of their return guys, and they're not getting that right now. Uh, I don't know, Trey, you're, you're the you're the Duran Carter fan here. Uh, well, one of them. We all kind of like the guy. Uh, but what do you make of, uh, of his time here with Edmonton? Uh, you know, I didn't think, yeah, the return game, I'm kind of surprised he's out there. I knew he was a guy back in the day, but, uh, the speed, like, it's kind of like him and speedy B I'm kind of like, why are they kick return guys? Like they're historically good ones, but not right now. But at the same time, I think defensively, I, I don't mind Deron Carter. It's always good to have a veteran out there. Yeah, you might get burned a time or two, but you might just need a veteran presence out there. But, uh, yeah, maybe crack it back in receiver. Who knows? Yeah, I'm, surprised. I'm kind of surprised they haven't tried that uh, with him here yet this season. But, hey, maybe it's in the cards for down the stretch. Who knows on Deron Carter there. Uh, Adam, I think we're ready to move on to the next game here if you are. Oh, I wish we could skip this one. All right. Well, since we can't, uh, the BC Lions came into Saskatchewan there for Friday night football. And I believe in this game here, the score flattered to be uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Unfortunately, uh, BC Lions end up winning this one 28 to 10, mostly on the uh, magistry and the magic of Nathan Rourke. Uh, we're going to get to him, obviously, pretty quickly here. Uh, sorry, Ryan. Uh, but I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant first here on this one. Uh, Cody Fajardo was pulled, uh, just before the second, uh, uh, just during the second end of the second quarter there for Mason Fine, uh, did not have anything really going for him. Uh, I'm just trying to grab the stats here real quick, but I believe it was around 47 yards, two picks, just nothing going for Cody Fajardo, uh, hanging on to the ball a little long once in a while. They had a little bit of success starting. Uh, with Jamal Morrow, who I guess we'll also talk about later on here. Uh, he had a little bit of success there. All of a sudden switched it, said, you know what, we're going to start throwing the ball out and interceptions for Cody Fajardo on two of them and just did not have a good game. And, of course, Mason Fine comes in uh, just uh, before the second half, our first half ended and ends up going, marching the ball all the way down the field and getting the uh, team's, I believe, only touchdown of the game. All of a sudden, cue the quarterback controversy in Saskatchewan because if somebody scores a touchdown after the other guy gets pulled, you always have a quarterback controversy in Saskatchewan. 
I'm going to put it this way. I watched that game right from beginning to, well, four minutes left. This is the first time in probably about five years that I've had to leave early because I just couldn't take any more into a rider game. This this was driving me nuts. And, of course, you can hear the crowd behind me. Oh, it's all Fischardo. Look at Mason Fides making all these cool little passes. Or three-yard passes. BC's going to give you that all game long and then some. Three plus three does not equal ten. As much in Saskatchewan, as we've had math problems over the years in 09, I will talk more about that. Uh, we could still probably add three and three together, and that still don't make 10. So here's my thing. You could put Tom Brady back there. You could put Patrick Mahomes back there. You could put anybody right now back in the Saskatchewan backfield. You could have had Nathan Rourke back there. It doesn't make a difference until you fix the tackles position in Saskatchewan. Uh, Jamal Campbell was injured during this game. I uh, was pretty much out for the whole second half. Your only backup that you have in Saskatchewan right now, Josiah St. John. That's all I need to say on that one. They need to get some help in offensive line to give Cody Fajardo uh, some help. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about injuries earlier but there is a kind of a little bit of a kind of a pun on Facebook today saying that Saskatchewan has taken out two quarterbacks. No, they've taken out three. Fajardo counts also uh, just because of their own offensive line. So to me, that is the biggest problem in Saskatchewan right now. It's not Cody Fajardo. Cody is a decent quarterback. Yes, now he's completely rattled, and I don't blame him. Uh, you got no help right now going to you. If you have no help, you're going to try to tuck that ball down. Make sure at least you don't give up a fumble or anything worse. So I can see why he's doing what he's doing. I just hope that they can figure out something with this offensive line soon. Uh, Trey, let's go to you first. What's your thoughts on the Rough Riders going out of this one? Uh, Roro Raggy. That's all I got to say about that one, man. <laughs> That's it, man. It's, I, I really can't sum it up any better than you did, Adam, in the safe time. I won't. You know, let's just go to Ryan. Like, just re, re, hit that little 15-second back uh, thing and listen to what Adam said again. That's my thoughts. <laughs> Ryan? Yeah, I mean, I don't really have too much else to add on there as well. You know, Mason Fine came in. He did fine. Uh, there we go. I got the joke in. Yeah, um, but it seems like things are falling apart here for Saskatchewan. Like you mentioned the offensive line. You know, Fichardo, yes, he's a good quarterback, but he's banged up, and he's going to get more banged up the more he goes out there behind this offensive line. Now you lose Jamal Morrow on the six-game injured list. Uh, Duke Williams is now out a week, uh, two weeks minimum. They are likely going to get Kyron Moore and Jack Evans back in short order, which could be a boost for them. We'll talk more about what that means for them on Wednesday on our uh, Week 12 preview show, but Man, so many injuries here for the Riders. It seems like there's just no momentum offensively. Like, the defense is playing pretty well for the most part. Granted, they gave up three. You know, I say they played well. They gave up 375 yards to Nathan Rourke. That's well. That's good. That's one of the best of any team this season, arguably. Um, it seems like the defense, it seems like Mario Alford's playing a good game on, on the return game. But the offense just isn't there. And and almost draw comparisons to a couple of years ago for Saskatchewan, where didn't they score more defensive touchdowns and offensive touchdowns a couple of years ago? And it almost seems like they're in the same boat as that, but the defense isn't quite there at that level where they can make up for the offensive inefficiencies. And that's why we're seeing Saskatchewan either, you know, not play a full 60 minutes 
and then put it on right at the end in the final five, or we're seeing them lose games like this is just the imbalance between the defense can't keep up with the, the play of the offense and with the injuries happening, I don't know how it improves in short order on offense. And I don't think it will improve until, again, that offensive line is settled. If if Cody had an extra half a second probably to get that football off or think about how he's making that throw, if he had Kyron Moore and Shaq Evans open, again, you got Duke Williams probably injured for at least a week. It sounds like maybe even more. Uh, probably you have a little bit of a chance there. But when the guy can't have a chance to even get the football off, you're not going to do much. And again, yes, he threw two bad interceptions, but that was him trying to make something out of anything to try to get something going. He shouldn't have made those throws. Probably if he had an offensive line that would give him that extra second, he wouldn't have made those throws. But he has to do what he had to do, and unfortunately made sure that Mason Fine came in. Uh, The defense, yeah, the defense has been playing pretty good for Saskatchewan. They got in the face a little bit of Nathan Rourke, which was good. Uh, However, speaking of Nathan Rourke, unfortunately, in the fourth quarter, we have to bring this up, and Ryan's already, hey, he's wearing a black shirt purposely tonight because, you know, something bad happened. Uh, Nathan Rourke ended up getting, uh, I think, tackled on the play. I got up, tried to leave the field, went right back down immediately and was helped off the field uh, by his uh, BC Lions offense. A very terrible situation for the BC Lions and for the CFL. Let's face it, seeing a guy that's young and been talented and been just absolutely uh, uh, slinging the football the way he's been doing it. There were some plays in this game. I got to admit, I was sitting there. How does the Riders defend this? You look at Brian Burnham, that one-handed catch up against one of the best defenders in the league. He he got beat. It, it was just in a perfect place for him to catch the ball. So, unfortunately for Nathan Rourke, it's I can't remember exactly what the uh, injury is called. I know there's a specific name for it, but it sounds very uh, sounds like he's going to need surgery on this, uh, and it will be a very long recovery here for Nathan Rourke, hoping, hopeful BC is uh, to get him back late October, which would be great. Uh, Nathan Rourke, of course, went on Facebook and Twitter, and he's optimistic that he'll be back even sooner. But again, these injuries take time. Uh, Ryan, I'm going to pass it over to you because I know you're the chairman of the Nathan Rourke uh, Hall of Fame Club. Uh, I need your statement on this. Devastated, completely devastated when I saw this happening. You know, this was a late Friday night game. I worked an overnight shift the night before. I was running off of like three hours worth of sleep. And and to just see Nathan Rourke go down like this uh, didn't quite break me, but it was getting close as the chairman of the board here of the Nathan Rourke for Hall of Fame Club. I mean, he was putting on another fantastic performance. He was on his way to almost getting 400 yards in this one. Uh, when he was tackled and went down. And no, uh, Chris in the chat was asking, was it Marino? No, it wasn't. In fact, this was actually a a legit full-fledged fair hit uh, in this one. There was nothing dirty about this. It was an unfortunate play. Nathan Rourke goes down, and you could just feel the wind out of the sails across, not only just BC, the entire league, right? Like, everybody... I had my most interacted with tweet ever on Twitter uh, during this game. When I tweeted, I was uh, tweeted out, please let Nathan Rourke be okay. Please let Nathan Rourke be okay. Please let Nathan Rourke be okay. Like until I hit the 240 character limit. Uh, 
because everybody was in the same boat. You hate to see it. He means so much for the league. He's the face of the league right now. And uh, yeah, it sucks to see him go out, but I do have some thoughts on, uh, you know, how I think BC goes from here, but I want to get your guys' take here uh, first on uh, the loss of Nathan Rourke for the Lions. Trey? Yeah, I, I tried distracting you with random horse racing trivia at like midnight on Friday, man. I was trying hard in the group chat, but uh, yeah, I, I think I kind of agreed with, I don't know if you said it now, but you definitely said it in the group chats on Twitter. I don't think BC is going to be last now in the West by any means. I don't even, I don't think Saskatchewan or Edmonton is going to catch him. Maybe Calgary, maybe Calgary now, and maybe they, they're not so much on on Winnipeg's butt, but I don't think they're really going to drop. They still have a pretty solid quarterback in their, uh, in Connors, is that what his name is? Connor. Um, yeah, Connor. And then actually, uh, Pipkin was playing okay too on some of those short yardage things. I think they'll be completely fine. What I think they're going to miss, and I think I said this in the group chat as well, is the behavior of Nathan Rourke. He had a broken ankle, and what does he want to do? He sits with ice with his helmet on with his team, and I think that's what they're going to miss a little more. So if they can get him back by late October, November, that's what they need. Now, he's also going to be a guy that's probably going to be in the locker room every day and be in the practice and the film room every day regardless, but you don't have him in that huddle on the field. So that's what I think they're going to miss, uh, Adam. Yeah, I think that's exactly what they're going to miss. They're not. They're going to miss the worth ethic of Nathan Rourke, who apparently comes in at six in the morning and leaves at six o'clock at night. First guy there, first guy out. And I believe that uh, Michael O'Connor. Let's face it, he's a good quarterback. He's a good Canadian quarterback, and I've seen him play before in the university ranks. I think he'll be fine. I don't know if he's Nathan Rourke, but he. There's very many. There isn't very many guys that nowadays are Nathan Rourke. So. It's going to hurt the BC Lions for sure. However, you're right, Trey. They've got a great offense right now. They've got probably some of the best receivers in the league. Uh, they can probably – Dominic Davis uh, – uh, sorry, did I say that right? No, sorry, Antonio Pipkin. My bad. Too many guys that I can't think of at one time. Antonio Pipkin looked great uh, on short yardage, so you can still run him in the short yardage play. Michael O'Connor has a good arm on him. I think that BC will be okay. I think it's going to take a, maybe a week or two to adjust to this because, again, you've got a quarterback who hasn't probably seen even the ones really at all this year when Nathan Burke has been playing uh, to a guy now that has to learn it a little bit quicker. But that being said, I think BC will be okay. Uh, one thing brought up in the chat a few times here, how long is Garrett Marino going to be in this league? Was Garrett Marino the one that did the hit on uh uh, Nathan Rourke, which let's face it, he's been known for doing some stupid things over the over the last little bit. This was his first game back, guys. Uh, you know what? I want to get your guys' opinion quickly on Garrett Marino. Uh, I'm going to go in neutral on this one because I was at the game. I was live. I couldn't. I seen the one where the center got blew up, and I figured it was Marino. Uh, other than that, I didn't see the other ones yet. Uh, but uh, Trey, we'll go with you first. Uh, thoughts on the play of Nate Garrett Marino? I'm all for a guy who hits hard and plays to the whistle and, and everything, but I don't see. It's not even that. It's just, I really want to know what these, uh, what cultural or insensitive cultural comments were. That's more my hang up than anything. And the whole, Ooh, I try, I should apologize to him sometimes. Shouldn't I comment or whatever he said? Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. And Ryan, what about you? 
Yeah, he's one of those players that's getting that rap of, you know, the Kyrie Saber. We all talked about him for many years as a guy, dirty hit after dirty hit, never seemed to learn. And, and Garrett Marino's getting that rap. And, and uh, you know, there's a borderline between playing hard and playing dirty. And it seems more and more, uh, it seems to be leaning in the direction of, of playing dirty here for Garrett Marino. Uh, but I want to touch on going back to BC here quickly before we move on to the next game. You know, Richard in the chat is asking or saying, I guess we're going to find out if the success of the Lions offense is because of Rourke or because of the good receiver corpse. I will go out and put a hot take. Let's assume Michael O'Connor is the starting quarterback the rest of the season for the BC Lions. I think in the second half of the season, there is no reason Michael O'Connor can't be a top three quarterback in the CFL. And that is because what is the other field out there right now? We don't have a ton of quarterbacks lighting it up any given week. And you have the best receiving corps in the CFL. You have arguably the best we've seen since the 2016 Red Blacks. And you have, when you have a guy like Brian Burnham making that ridiculous catch he did in the end zone, like it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. If he can throw the ball, these receivers are going to find a way to come down and get it. Now, do I think maybe they take a bit of a step back? It's going to be hard to replicate what Nathan Rourke did for sure. But I think this team is still set up to compete atop the West as good as anybody is. Uh, you want to talk about, we talked about the wide receivers. They've got a decent running back in there and James Butler. And nobody talks about the defense. And maybe that's what we're going to talk about down the stretch here. They're first or second in every single defensive category, guys. Like second, they are, uh, I believe, second in sacks uh, on the season, just behind Saskatchewan. They're second in interceptions. They give up the lowest yards to the pass, lowest yards on the ground to anybody. Uh, they give up the lowest passing touchdowns. Like all of these stats, the BC defense it leads the way. And we haven't talked about it because we've been busy talking about Nathan Rourke. So this team is deep across the board. Maybe special teams is a little weaker, but I don't see any reason they can't compete for a top two spot in the West Division host a home playoff game. And uh, maybe then Nathan Rourke comes back home, uh, you know, for a playoff game and returns in time for that. And then who knows what happens from there. But my level of concern about the, the, the Lions, very minimal, actually, despite the, the terrible loss of Nathan Rourke here. Yeah, no, I uh, I think the BC Lions will still have some success here. And I let's face it, we'll see what they do here up against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders again this week uh, in BC Play Stadium. Uh, good place as any to try to get some uh, momentum for your new quarterback, uh, Michael O'Connor. Uh, over on Twitter, we actually had a question come in from Scott Westman uh, asking myself with the Riders in tough with their remaining games in record and their opponents going forward. And if the East can get hot, can the green machine cross over for the playoffs? I want to say yes. I really, really want to say yes. Right now, if this offensive line stays the way it is, no, they can't. I'll tell you right now, the Riders won't make the playoffs. Uh, they will have a hard time keeping above Edmonton. They got the season series. That's the only reason they're going to stay above Edmonton. But if the East keeps splitting games, there's a possibility. But it's going to be a very short playoff run for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. If they play Montreal, if they play Hamilton, even if somehow Toronto ends up in second, it's going to be a very short season, uh, right postseason for Saskatchewan if they go east or west, if this offensive line is not cleaned up and cleaned up fast. It's just that bad. And I really, to be honest, don't see it happening right now. Uh, 
Chris in the chat says, fire Jason Moss. Again, you could put Bill Belichick back there as an offensive line, uh, uh, as an offensive coach. It won't make a difference until you have the talent and the team of offensive linemen that you need to be able to block and cover for your quarterback. Otherwise, again, I, I know Dan Clark's coming back soon. I hope that's a piece of it, but they need more than that. The tackle position, that guy's coming off of the edge. I am terrified when Winnipeg rolls into town. What's going to happen when you've got, uh, right now, when you've got uh, uh, Willie Jefferson and you've got Jackson Jeffcoat, one on each end and going wild on the riders because it could get ugly quick. Uh, but that being said, we got to move on here because we've got other games uh, to talk about. Uh, the next one was the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Let's call this one the uh, penalty bowl because that was exactly what this one is. Uh, the Montreal Alouettes, 175. The Hamilton Tiger Cats, 132, uh, I believe. Uh, no, it was actually 28-29 for the Montreal Alouettes. I think we got to talk about the penalties on both of these teams, guys. Uh, Ryan, you can go first. Oh, come on. Like, Montreal, like, 175 yards in penalties, something like that. You know, old takes exposed, exposed I guess, on Twitter when I tweeted out, uh, you know, Montreal had momentum. Then they started taking major penalty after major penalty. And then they lost everything. The wheels are falling off the cart. And I said, you don't win many football games when doing this. Well, what are the Montreal flipping Alouettes going to do? They win the flipping football game. Like, like, I don't know how they pulled this off with, with the number of major penalties. I mean, they Hamilton had an entire drive of basically penalties to Montreal topped by a, a uh, Jamie Newman uh, one-yard plunge. Like, like, it seemed like there were a lot of penalties. Uh, Tim Capper in the chat says, yeah, most of the Owls penalty yards were on special teams. Two roughing the kicker calls in the same game. Are you kidding me? Like, like the discipline wasn't there. And, and I don't know if that makes this even more impressive of a win for Montreal and an impressive performance by the likes of Trevor Harris and that offense that, you know, the defense was taking a lot of penalties. The special teams was taking a lot of penalties. The offense had to go work overtime, arguably, here to go and put them back in it. And they got it done. And they got it done late, and it came down to the wire. But I still stand by this. Montreal's not going to win many games, more games this year if they can if they keep taking penalties at that amount. But uh, also kudos to the offense uh, for getting it done there. And uh, Tim makes a very good point in the chat. Was the Al Bradbury effect? Yeah, this game was a nightmare to sit through because it was the Al Bradbury flag fest on both sides on this one all night long. It was such a slow game uh, and seems to be the case when he's refing. Uh, Trey, what do you think on uh, Montreal getting it done here despite the discipline? I liked what I saw from Trevor Harris. I think I've been pretty hard on him and saying he's not a mobile quarterback, but he actually had a little bit of mobility. You know, I think he had one official run, but he moved the pocket around nicely. He got the ball, moving the ball around and the fans showed up 21,000. Uh, Mr. Gary Stern's getting a little bit of attention. He's tweeting the prime minister this week and mayors and everything. So he's, he's getting it done. And then, you know, it, it, that's the real goal. Yeah. Like winning football games helps, but the true thing of a football team is to sell tickets and get that in. So I'm really happy with Montreal. Um, yeah, I don't think they're going to win as much. What three feet, three whole fields were given up in yards, pretty well. American fields, not quite the CFL field, but 
geez, you can't, neither team can play that. And I remember I was checking the stat out and I was like, how do you give up 170 yards and win? But Montreal did it. And that's just how the East, uh, how the East is Adam. Yeah, no, I, uh, I seen that Al Bradbury was a referee and I was like, this is going to be bad in Montreal because he is a guy that will call uh, and his crew will call anything that's remotely a penalty. He doesn't hesitate. That crew just is uh, one that just loves to throw the ball. Now, again, I should also say uh, Al Bradbury's crew, not Al Bradbury, because Al Bradbury doesn't throw all the penalty calls and you shouldn't just hate on one ref because that's not fun. But hey, you know what? It was a perfect day out there for football. Uh, biggest record, uh, regular season crowd at Percival Molson since September 2017. Uh, thanks for that little stat, uh, Tim. Uh, no, it was a great game for a football game. Uh, Trevor Harris, again, big yardage, 24 for 31. 77% completion record with 382 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, only had seven yards rushing. But you know what? You're right, uh, Trey. He, he moved the pocket. He got things going. Uh, he might have got even more yards if it wasn't for a big injury uh, to the Montreal Alouettes with Tyson Pillipot getting absolutely destroyed on that one play. Otherwise, that would have been uh, – he was looking like he was going to have a pretty good game, and uh, I was going to have to go and tell Ryan, why did you stop uh, me from taking up in fantasy this week? But it all worked out in the end, so we'll go from there. Uh, Ryan, what do we got to look at here in Hamilton and uh, – why did they lose this game after all those penalties by Montreal? Well, first of all, nobody forced you not to take Tyson Philpott. That's just a suggestion, uh, a strongly suggest, a strong suggestion when you see him as the backup on the depth chart. But then, of course, he ends up being the leading receiver till he goes down. So that's the CFL for you. Hamilton, 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 what are we going to do with you? Like, it seems every week they find a way to play a decent game for a good chunk of it. It seems they should, you know, find a way to win this, and then they they blow it at the last second. We've seen it against Calgary. We've seen it against Toronto. We've seen it against Montreal. It seems to keep happening over and over again, and there's no consistency to be had for this team. Like, uh, yeah, there's zero reason when Montreal's taking that many penalties and gifting you that many opportunities that you should go and lose a football game here. But somehow, in some way, they found a way to do it. And I, I really don't know what to pinpoint of it. I mean, the defense didn't come up and make the plays. Granted, they are they have a lot of guys due, out due to injury. You know, Simone Lawrence is a huge one. He's on the sixth game now. Uh, but other guys got to step up in the absence there. And it almost seemed a little bit like this was Tim White trying everything in his possibility to will his team to a victory, uh, but not getting the support around him to do it because he had as many receiving yards as an entire rest of his team combined. Um, and everything seemed to be going his direction, but they just couldn't get it done. And again, at the end of the game here, they find a way to uh, to fall just short here. So, I'm disappointed in the Thai Cats uh, because I, they should be better. I think based on what I've seen on paper, what I've seen from them for a majority of games, they should be better than they are. So I'm disappointed. Trey? Sorry, I lost my mute button here. Yeah, I'm pretty disappointed in them too. Uh, uh, I thought they would fall back a little bit this year. I didn't realize the East would be off a cliff, but I thought they would fall back and Montreal would be potentially second or first, and that's what happened, right? So. You know, I think Hamilton should be just happy that Saskatchewan seeming to be a 
spinning their tires right now too for that final spot in the East because it you know Labor Labor Day is the unofficial start right and that's what next week a week and a half right so we can't be saying oh we got tons of time left anymore it's it's almost Labor Day and the division games start mattering a little bit more so I don't know this was a big one that Hamilton should have won well either team could have won it was one of those weird ones Shields didn't do that bad either like what do you have 300 yards and two touchdowns or something like that so he didn't do bad either he almost won them the game too just uh, one of those dang rouges in there uh, messed them up. I look at this game and I say one thing. Was Orlando Steinauer or Tommy Condell, was one of them picked on by a running back back in the day? Uh, because they refused to use the running backs at any time, and this must be their punishment. Uh, because you know what? It's, it's weird. Ten uh, carries for Don Jackson this week. 41 yards, just not really much going on over there. His longest was nine yards. That that ain't going to make it. Tim White had a 12-yard uh, run at least on one of them. Uh, it's just very strange for the Hamilton Tiger Cats to not even try to use the run. I know they're not a run-happy team usually to begin with. They never were a run team in Hamilton. But this is getting crazy how many times they're just not using the run game. I mean, as far as I know, we're halfway through the season here, and I'm pretty sure that Dane Evans still holds the holds the uh, running uh, uh, lead right now for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So that being said, though, they had a great game out of Tim White, 11 for 14, 145, uh, had a 64-yard uh, run and had two touchdowns. So he had an excellent game, Tim White. Uh, but... I'm just not sure what in the world is going on with this Hamilton team refusing to run the football. When it gets cold out, you got to have a run game of some sort, don't you? I just, I don't get it. I'm not sure what's going on here. Uh, Ryan, is there anything I'm missing in this game of why they wouldn't run a football? No, Hamilton did this last season too. And actually down the stretch, they started to use Don Jackson more and were effective when it got colder. So maybe we'll see that still transpire here yet, but they seem to use him more as a, a receiving back than a running back, right? They like to dump the ball off them here and there, but you can be a one dimensional offense if you can do that job effectively, right? BC is cut the run game down quite a bit. James Butler has, you know, gone a little bit down as the season's gone along. But their passing game has been so good, they've been able to, you know, they don't need the run game, basically. Uh, Hamilton, you can't do that with Matt Schiltz at quarterback, I'm sorry to say. So, yeah, I'm disappointed in the, the run game for Hamilton. I hope they use them more as the season goes along here. But uh, right now, it's just not happening. But before we move on to the next game here, I, I want to I mention quickly, you know, Tim in the chat makes a good point. Montreal's got four home games in six weeks. They've got a four-game homestand with a bye this week. Like, they've won two big games here against uh, Winnipeg now and Hamilton back-to-back. They've got a good homestand going. Gary's getting his fans out to the stadium there. Like, this could be Montreal's division for the taking here as we go along, right? Especially with Hamilton, Toronto going head-to-head now a couple more times. It uh, seems like, you know, if Montreal can get those penalties down, yeah, they, they could take the division here. But uh, I think we got to move on to the next game here, unless you guys have any thoughts on that. No, I agree with you there, Ryan. I think that uh, Montreal to have the perfect opportunity right now. You're right, uh, Tim. Four home games in six weeks. I think that they really have an opportunity here to maybe take a uh, firm stand on getting that division lead. Uh, before we move on, though, 
I believe that we have breaking news in the CFL right now. Trey, sort of, we'll take sort, it of. To you. sort of CFL news. This is more for the Winnipeg people. The living legend, Chris Strevler, throws another pass touchdown in the NFL tonight. Seven for eight, 108 yards. Have to bring it up, man. He's going to be the starting quarterback of the New York Jets, and uh, he's going to get that pension, baby. That's all I have to add. Unfortunately, you know, I was actually just reading an article on that today uh, that uh, Chris Strebler has kind of said that he he feels like he he knows he's the fourth QB in the room there for no. the Jets. And no, he but he, he's making the most of his opportunity is basically what he said. Right. He said he's making the most of a chance to be in there, fill in for a guy that's out due to injury right now. Maybe get another shot on another NFL team if he doesn't stick with the Jets. So. I love seeing Chris Strevler succeed, and I really want to see him stick with the team here, and the preseason plays helping. That's so hard for me to think about him being the fourth guy, how he's been doing these couple of games. And he actually had a pretty good preseason last last year or two years ago. I can't remember one which year when he was back with the Cardinals. He had a pretty good preseason game against the Cowboys having it. But, yeah, he's got, maybe he's against second-string defenses right now. But, man, I'd love to see him be in the NFL, be on the cover of Madden if he keeps this up. And completing passing touchdowns too, right? That's something we haven't seen from this game before. Seven for eight, 108 yards, and only 10 yards rushing, man. Adam, oh, you should be lucky he's in the NFL because otherwise he'd come back up here and be on the Bombers again, man. Hey, Saskatchewan could use a quarterback. I I wasted a breaking news for this? That's That's breaking news to everyone in Winnipeg, man, because we have our fur coat sitting in the closet just waiting for him to get a Super Bowl chance, man. I thought maybe, you know, you were going to say that the Riders acquired a run offensive lineman or Bo Levi Mitchell, uh, who we're going to be talking about right away here uh, after this Calgary Stampeder win against the Toronto Argonauts during CN, uh, CNE night over in Toronto. I thought you were going to talk about him possibly maybe getting traded. And there's a reason why we get to talk about this. Uh, the Calgary Stampeders are in a quarterback controversy now. Hey, if the Riders are going to be in one, the Stamps are going to be in one. That's how it works here. So, uh, Bo Levi Mitchell did not have a very good first half. Uh, uh, Dave Dickinson decided, you know what? It's time to see Jake Mahar. And he rallied the team, got him back into it, and ended up winning the game here against the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, Trey, we're going to go with you first. Is this the beginning of the end for Bo Levi Mitchell in Calgary? I plead the fifth, man. I can't say nothing about Bo, man. Because <laughs> I'm going to say, yeah, and then he's going to go out and throw 400 yards next. Who does he play next week? Winnipeg. Oh, the Bombers. Nah, maybe not 400. But watch him have a decent game against Winnipeg. He usually does play good against Winnipeg, but usually probably plays good against most teams in the CFL. Ah, uh, It should be the end. I did say that a lot in the offseason and before we started. And he started up hot, but is that just the team around him? I think the team around him is keeping him afloat got a little bit better offensive line than maybe we see in some other teams they add him and uh and and he's got a pretty solid defense so i wouldn't mind the uh backup being the guy there uh, but watch Bo just have an mop game or two to get an ig field on thursday right watch it happen so all right what about you I don't believe we're ever seeing that game come again from Bo Levi mitchell i i i, I will not plead the fifth i will gladly tell you that um, you know, this was a tale of two halves for Calgary in the first half. They had nothing going. The offense was dismal. The defense was keeping them in it. 
And then they seem to get momentum and turn things around in the second half when they put the best quarterback on their roster currently out on the football field, which is Jake Mayer. Yeah, I think Jake Mayer should be starting going forward here. Bo Levi Mitchell has been trending downwards in almost every offensive category, it seems. Uh, you know, CFL fantasy player pricing came out for next week. He's like $6,400. He's cheaper than his backup quarterback, Jake Mayer, which goes to show you that offensively, he just hasn't gotten it done so far this season. Trey, you made a good point a couple weeks ago. He hadn't thrown a number of picks. Well, that didn't settle in this one. He threw two, uh, zero touchdowns. It's been a number of weeks since, uh, you know, he's put up a, a, a consistent touchdown total here. And this is not a knock on anything in Bo Levi Mitchell's past in his career. He is a fa- he's been a fantastic quarterback. He has had a heck of a career. But at this point in his career and with the, the system he's in, I don't think that he is going to be putting up a massive game here anymore. And I, I think we've seen it trending downwards. We've seen a lack of communication between him and Kamar Jordan, Reggie Begleton, et cetera. And Jake Mayer is a guy who had started three games and threw 300 yards in all three of them last year. He came in the second half of this one, not fantastic, but almost 80% passing, 156 yards in the interception, rallied them to a victory. So, uh, yeah, I would love nothing more than to see Calgary come out and start Jake Mayer going forward here. Um, but let's be realistic. Dave Dickinson is going to ride Bo Levi Mitchell off into the sunset. I think you're right, Ryan. I think that Bo Levi is going to go back in. He's going to go get 600 yards. He's going to get six touchdowns next game. Absolutely hammered a Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And no, you know, I might have. He might get six touchdowns the rest of the season. (laughs) Stop saying that. I got him on my fantasy and I'm keeping him on there for now. Uh, No, I, you know what? I think it is starting to become slowly the beginning of the end for Bo Levi Mitchell. Uh, As Churchill once said it, maybe it's the end of the beginning or the beginning of the end. Uh, you know what? I think that this is slowly turning into a point where Calgary says, look at how much we're spending on Bo Levi Mitchell. Look at how much we're spending on Jake Maher. And look at what BC's doing with Nathan Rourke right now. Why are we spending this much money on Bo Levi Mitchell? Especially when the results aren't there yet for the Calgary Stampeders. There's been a lot of these games where they barely squeak by and win a game. And I mean, it's, it's kind of almost that uh, old saying of winning uh, hides a lot of uh, scratches and a lot of dings. I'm wondering if it's not hiding a lot of Bo Levi Mitchell's uh, stat line because people still look at it and say, he's a winner. He, he's winning games. But you know what? In the end, the stats never lie. I think there's a certain broadcaster in Winnipeg that would probably say that. Uh, anyways... That being said, it was maybe a party of uh, starting to be the beginning of the end for Bo Levi Mitchell, but it's also the beginning of a great-looking running back starting over in Toronto. I uh, had a lot of catches out of the backfield. It was very interesting how Ryan did when he used them. AJ Ouellette, I'd like to get you guys' opinion on him. Uh, Trey, you want to go first? Fantastic. He was my fantasy team, and it really helped me out because I went really cheap in a lot of positions. To be able to have uh, Captain Canada as my quarterback, and even going getting injured, he still gave me like 26, 27 points before going out. But yeah, no, I I love what that guy did. You know, almost 100 yards. And weird enough, Andrew Harris goes out, and then they decide to run the ball. Like you know, yeah, that makes sense. And he had a couple catches, a couple of those screen swing passes. And it doesn't always pick up tons of yards, but it picks up you know first downs and picks up some consistent yards. 18 fantasy points, which I'm sure Ryan will talk about later. 
is if his price is down, then that's a guy that's going to definitely be in my lineup again next week. Uh, love to see what that is. But real quick, I just want to touch on Bo. This is the kind of joke. He should have taken the NFL contract whenever that one uh, he supposedly turned down because uh, he'd still be getting that paid out probably. But other than that, Toronto, this is their division to take. I want them to take it. Like one team needs to take it, you know, and it's one reason one team hasn't quite taken in the West is because two of them are Titans and Calgary is Calgary, right? They're still fighting it out. But Toronto needs to take the bull by the horns. It would have two more against Hamilton, right? It's coming up here or at least, yeah. Labor Day Classic and the week after. So in Hamilton, we don't know what's going on in Hamilton. So Toronto needs to keep it going. Uh, Bethel Thompson, what was his stats? Ah, one interception. Again, you know, it's it's such a weird, uh, so weird, this East. You know, a team with 276 and an t- interception and you're winning the game. But you have a running back who helped you out, right, Ryan? Yeah, what a weird stat line for A.J. Olette also. Like, uh, six carries for 18 yards. He averages three yards along the ground. But he's the leading receiver for the team with seven catches on eight targets for 92 yards. Like, this is a fantasy dream of a running back to get that much uh, target on the screen passes and and make it, uh, you know, make the most of them like that. Yeah, AJ Olette seemed like he had a bit of a spark. Seemed like he's a guy who can, you know, is not afraid to run into, uh, run through some traffic to to make a big play here. And I think that's an exciting piece for the offense to use going forward here for Toronto. But you know, it seemed like they had some sparks. Seems like they had things going for them. But every time they do, it seems like they can't find their way into the end zone when they do that. And that's the biggest knock I have on Toronto is that they're not putting the ball in the end zone efficiently enough right now. They Settled for four field goals from Boris Beatty, I think, in this one. And uh, really, they had the chance with how Calgary was playing in the first half to put this away. But uh, they end up just short kicking field goals over and over. So Toronto's up and down, man. I can't make I, I can't. I Toronto is the team I struggle to pick the most. If we were to look back and maybe I'll find the stats this week. I might pick them record on games involving the Argos over the last four years. It's garbage. Like they find a way to either impress or uh, disappoint on the weeks when I expect the opposite from them every single time. And yeah, it, it wasn't great. It wasn't great here for them. They should have been able to pull out the win in this one. Uh, but at the end of the their defense, you know, did a solid job, I thought, especially in that first half But the offense just wasn't putting the touchdowns up. I don't think they have a bad offense. I think they've done a good job at moving the ball down the field this year. They just got to put the ball in the end zone a little bit more often. Adam? No, I agree. I think uh, it was very amazing to see a running back get that many catches out of the backfield. I was surprised at how they used him. I thought maybe they would just run him. He's a big boy. He can take a little bit of a hit. And you know what? No, they're just going to run him out of the backfield, which I don't think Calgary was expecting really much of either. However, they did pull off the victory here. Uh, One last little thing that I want to bring up, and this is a CFL-wide thing. Uh, This week's penalty of the week is horse collar tackles. Uh, guys, I just want your quick opinion on these uh, calls uh, this week by the referees uh, for, I guess, horse collar. Trey? Horse collar is an interesting one. I don't know if it's a penalty in the NFL or it's not quite the same. So it's an interesting one. Uh, it's kind of a CFL special, maybe. I, I, I don't know. I've been tackled like that. I don't know if it... I don't. I never thought it hurt, but maybe just because it's close to the neck and spine area. I don't know. Uh, 
course, they're also going a lot faster than they did in the Manitoba Rural Football League about 10 years ago. So, you know, um, mm, I, I don't mind it as much as pyramiding or whatever the hell we did we ever figure out what that quite was, you know, and and some of the ghost pass interferences we've seen. So I don't know. You got to watch where you go in the quarterback, right? I don't think they call that if it's the running back or receiver necessarily. A couple on the quarterbacks, you got to be careful because we already lost one star and, you know, <laughs> we lost Mazzoli. We don't need to be losing Kolaros. We're losing Bo and Fajardo for other reasons. You know, we don't need to be losing the other guys, right? So, yeah, Ryan. Yeah, I'm happy you went to our resident horse caller on the you know, horse caller penalties first here. It seems fitting. Uh, of course, Treya calling the horse races. Um, yeah, this is the this is the penalty of the week, like you said. Uh, it seemed like there were a couple of them. They're, sometimes they're a bit ticky-tacky, but uh, all in all, it's in the name of player safety. We've seen some vicious hits of that variety. And to me, yeah, the penalties suck at times. Yeah, we all hate the refs when they throw a penalty flag on our team. But if it's something that in the long run actually decreases serious injuries for players, I'm all for it is my stance on, on pretty much any penalty, really, if we can keep the top talent in the league out there and playing if we can keep all talent in the league healthy so that they can have long careers and good lives afterwards that's a plus from me and, uh, regardless if it costs my team a 15 yard penalty that could change the game absolutely i think it's time we move on to our fantasy stuff here for uh review uh ryan how'd we do this week yeah, this week in CFL Fantasy, of course, the three of us playing in the CFL Podcast Fantasy League. Uh, Adam, you picked up a big win over Travis from the Two and Out CFL Podcast. Trey picked a bit up a big win over the guys from the Argos Fancast. And I let you down. I let you guys down. Uh, pulled out a narrow defeat against Superfan Mike, who now across three years of playing fantasy football, despite finishing like top two in the standings every year, I'm 0-5 against him across three years, I think it is. I find a way to lose every time. And this time he had Nathan Rourke who got injured. He had Tyson Philpott who got injured. He had a defense that scored zero points. And all I needed was a decent effort from McLeod Bethel Thompson in the final game to go out and uh, and pick up a win this week. And did I get it? No, I did not. I fell about five points short. So uh, I dropped two. I think it's nine and two on the season. Uh, Trey, I believe you're at uh, seven and four. Do I have that correct? And Adam, you're at six and five. So all three of us in a playoff spot here, guys. Uh, congrats to the two of you on a big win this week, though. Hey, at least I don't have to pay for Chinese food. I was getting nervous about that one uh, the whole week. And uh, no, I had fun uh, with that one there. Uh, Nathan Rourke on my lineup gave me huge amounts of points to start the week. And it moved on from there. I had the uh, secondary Filippo boy, Jalen, over in Calgary. Gave me a few points as well. Uh, and uh, yeah, no, I had some pretty decent uh, picks this week. Ended up second overall which, again, I should write it down because that probably will never happen again. Uh, Trey, how was your week? You know, it was pretty good. And uh, do we have 16 regular season weeks? Is that what we 17. Played? 17, right. All right, with the bye. So six, six, seven games left. I have the bye last week, so I don't have a game in hand and a half game down a second. So I don't know, but I'm, I may be iron first now, you know. We got a little bit of... Uh, 
little bit of trouble here near midseason with the top team. So hopefully I'm sweating. Can... I'm sweating. You guys have me sweating. I looked at this week. I lost. Uh, Joe from Rouge, White, and Blue lost. Uh, but every other team near the top of the standings picked up a win. So people are inching closer. I got to get back on my A game. I feel like I've been at my B game for the past couple of weeks here on Fantasy. We're bringing the heat Wednesday night on the preview show uh, with the with the fantasy picks this week. We got to get back get back on track here a little bit uh, for that one. There, of course, you can follow all of the action at CFL Pod Fantasy on Twitter. As for our fantasy league here on the podcast, uh, week eleven results are in. Uh, I did finish with the top score with one hundred twenty two point one points. Big games by Nathan Rourke before he went down. And Tim White, who put up almost 40 points on the week, led the way for me. Uh, Mike put up a big week of 93.2. A couple BC Lions receivers were the go-tos for him. Trey, you finished at 62.8. You did have the top quarterback on the week uh, in Trevor Harris. Adam, you want to tell people how many points you got this week, or should I? I honestly haven't looked, and I don't want to know. (laughs) In all honesty, I I think we could leave that out, right? I'm pretty sure that's fine. (laughs) Well, just so the people know, uh, 26.6 points this week, Adam. Uh, I believe Trey's quarterback uh, had more points than your entire team this week. So I had 0.6 less. Ah. Yeah, 26. What happened? You know what? So far this year, I've listened to a gopher. I've listened to a lumberjack. And I've listened to two crows. I think I got to switch it up. Maybe I got to go and talk to... uh, uh, what do you call a green and yellow football or something? I don't know. I have no luck on picking fantasy. Uh, and, I, and, oh, I was gonna say, I finally not the least amount of like lowest scorer of the week, boys. That big trade, I knew Trevor Harris was gonna get me some points, man. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew some, it. Man. Somehow, Mike is probably just sitting there and thinking he got the worst of this deal. Yeah, You're visionary, Trey. Fine. You're visionary. Fine. And this week, too, uh, Trevor Harris. Is, no, they're on the bye, I think, Montreal. Never mind. So, Caleb Evans is going to have to get more points than Zach Calero. So, then Mike will really be eating it. And that's payback for uh, dumping Andrew Harris on me. Yeah, you made, a, you made a lot of roster moves this week, too, Trey. Getting involved in the waiver wire there with a couple of moves this week. Uh, picking up both Philpot twins. Uh, maybe playing for the future there a little bit. Uh, I'm going to have to do some figuring out with my lineup coming out of this week because, well, Nathan Rourke is out uh, for a long time. So there goes my, there goes my, and my backup's Cody Fajardo, which isn't much better. So somehow I've gone from the best quarterback crew in the league to, uh, yeah, ouch. Uh, it might be, a, might be a bit of a struggle coming up here. I want a clarification from you guys, though, especially from you, Adam, because you were the one whining about Nathan Rourke counting as a Canadian. So... Can I have a back? Can I have a quarterback still count? Because we have to have two on the roster on our overall roster, and at least one Canadian on our game day. Can a quarterback count as one of the two on the roster as long as I start another Canadian in my active lineup each week? I think that's fine as long as you have another Canadian, you could start a different quarterback, right? So I, I want to talk about a quick collusion here, Adam. Uh, so we should put all the remaining waiver money we each have on O'Connor to prevent uh, Ryan from getting him. I, I think that's a good plan in all honesty. I, I, I've been thinking about it, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm starting to look at baby bull Levi Mitchell and saying he might just become a free agent this week. Oh, he's so. sweating. Ryan was like, Ryan was planning that. And we just No, that's okay. I have other quarterbacks in mind as well, so. 
Let's face it. I think it's going to be a very interesting weekend. Uh, uh, priority waiver wires. I think there's probably a running back that somebody's probably going to end up trying to pick up. I would imagine there's a quarterback that's probably somebody's going to end up trying to pick up. Well, Trey, take Deron um, Carter back. We'll see. Hey, I, you know what? I'm also wondering on this end, Ryan, for uh, commissioner rules. If I go and I pick up a uh, quarterback slash running uh, wide receiver, am I allowed to use him in either position? You would have to use him at whatever position he's currently classified as in the CFL fantasy game, which would be wide receiver for the case of Kyle Oxley. Ah, shucks. That wasn't the player I was thinking of at all. But uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Who else could it be? <laughs> Not very many other options. Uh, oh, Carter. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, was waiver wire open? Uh, it should be. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's... well, we're gonna figure some things out. <laughs> okay, <laughs> carry on, carry on. All right, we'll see what happens this week. Uh, and uh, Richard in the chat is asking uh, who picked up Michael O'Connor. Nobody as of right now, uh, although I have a feeling that may change uh, somewhere. Uh, by the end of this week. Uh, let's get into our uh, betting results for this week, powered by BetStamp. Uh, of course, uh, BetStamp helps find the best prices across all the different sports books and maximize your online wagers. Uh, you can track your picks there. Sign up at BetStamp.app with referral code CFC to let them know we sent you. Uh, we've been tracking our picks on there. CF Countdown Pods, the username. You can find them all there. But uh, how do we do in our uh, in our picks this week, Trent? All righty, boys. Yeah, start off. First game of the week. Edmonton was the underdog plus four and a half. Well, we all took them. We all felt pretty confident in them. So we all got that one right to start. Then we move on. Now we start uh, start going different ways. We go to BC was the road dog minus five or sorry the road uh, favorite minus five and a half but adam took the home underdog six and a half adam sorry man i understand you got to take the hometown team you got to do it marie and um, ryan and myself get that one then we go to saturday and uh ryan's favorite famous expression that dang spread we all took Montreal minus three and a half. They didn't get quite a net rouges. They only won by one, so we didn't get that one, even though we picked the right team. And then we go to the finale. This time Adam agrees with me, agreed with me, uh, taking Calgary minus two and a half. Ryan, 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 you never listen, man. Takes Toronto two and a half, plus two and a half, goes against Bo Levi and the backup mayor. And uh, Adam and I get this, those two right, but Ryan doesn't. So final standings. <clears throat> I need to make I need to make nice uh nice charts. I did it one two weeks ago and I keep forgetting. Uh Ryan's at 24 and 19. Adam keeping above his head above water 22 and 21. And I'm still leading 27 and 16. We're all making money. Um since we started bet staff, I'll just throw this out. I don't have the podcast, but my personal one, if you did the last four weeks with me, you would have made $124 if you did $25 bets, 31% return on investment. Not bad. Not bad. But that's also based off $25 bets. So, you know, bet your limit. Bet responsibly. Don't bet the farm. Especially don't bet it on uh, Cody Fajardo breaking any records right now. Yeah, we did go three and one. We did go three and one on our consensus picks for the week as well. So not a bad week overall, but... Uh, 
Man, this week I also I, I put it down on a, a four game parlay on the money line on it, things this week. I went on my my four picks here. I, I, I went with Edmonton. I went with BC. I'm thinking, okay, sitting good coming through two games at Montreal. One had me sweating, but I did take the Alouettes. They pulled it out. Three games good. And it was I put five bucks down, and I think it was like a payout of something around seventy dollars coming out of it. And going to the last game, I think I told you guys. Watch the Argos screw it up. I know the Argos are going to screw it up. Sitting pretty at halftime, and sure enough, the dang Argos screwed it up. So uh, we'll see see if we can hit that one of these weeks. But, uh, you know, you, you guys got me into the betting content here a little bit and uh, tried it out, but no no luck on the, on it this week. We'll see we'll see how we do as the season goes along. Yeah, that's all, right. all I got, boys, yeah. <laughs> I honestly have no comments. I mean, you know, I had to take the Riders. If I don't, I mean, Chris in the chat is probably going to find me and hunt me down. So, you know, had to take the Riders this week. Uh, we'll see what I do, though, on uh, Wednesday. All right. On. Well, let's move into, if I can get it ready to go, our Players of the Week here for week number 11. Adam, you're first up on the board, and your Player of the Week is... A.J. Ouellette, I mean, the man had a good game, had some catches, was used in a different way. I credit Ryan Dinwiddie for getting creative and figuring out how he wants to use his running backs a little bit. I want to also give a uh, special uh, honorable mention over to Jake Mahar, who came in and ended up beating those same Toronto Argonauts. But, uh, no, A.J. Ouellette, six carries, 18 yards, seven catches, though, uh, eight targets for 92 yards, had a big game. Could have had a baby bit, bit, bit bigger of a game if he started running the ball. But you know what? I was real thrilled with him being used the way he is. And, uh, yeah, he's doing a very good job of filling in for Andrew Harris. Uh, Ryan, what did Mike pick this week? Yeah, Mike's away today, but he sent in his player of the week. And, uh, of course, the week he doesn't have to make the charts. He makes me go and put the unconventional pick in for him. Uh, he chose the kickers around the CFL for his player of the week this week. He was very impressed by the kicking game. Uh, all of the kickers went a combined 14 of 17 on field goals this week. I believe that's around 83%. Uh, a couple of real clutch kicks at the end of the game. Seth Small, uh, Smalls, I think it is, uh, made a 51-yarder to uh, put Hamilton up front. And then uh, David Cote came back with the game winner there for Montreal. And in Calgary and Toronto, a combined seven for seven between Rennie Paradis and uh, Boris Beatty. So, uh, Mike, loving the kickers around the league this week. Uh, my player of the week, look, I can't do this for a while, so I figured this was the proper send-off for him here for the next number of weeks. Uh, Nathan Rourke is my player of the week because he was playing at player of the week pace and likely would have hit over 400 for the third straight game. 71% completion, 375 yards, two touchdowns, did have two interceptions, but bounced back from them nicely, and 63 rushing yards. And this was, of course, in limited action, leaving the game a bit early. Uh, very sad to see Nathan Rourke go down. He's been my player of the week more times than every other player combined, I think, this season. I'm going to be missing seeing his name up on this chart. So uh, best of luck with your recovery, Nathan Rourke, and uh, all the best. And hopefully we see you back yet this season. Honorable mention for me, of course, Tim White, 11 catches, 14 targets, something like 140 yards, I think it was, 145. 
major week for Tim White carrying things for his team, but they did not pull out the win. All right, Trey, over to you for your player of the week. Yeah, I took Montreal quarterback Trevor Harris, uh, 24 for 31, 382, and three touchdowns and one pick. You know, we've been seeing a lot of uh, a lot of crazy games by Nathan Rourke, so some of these stats might not sound so crazy, but, you know, 300 or any, anything over 350 yards and three touchdowns and over 75% completion, you can't bat your eye of that. But honorable mention, Mr. Gary Stern, like I said earlier, just getting the house packed, got to put him in there, you know. Who knows if if Montreal could have even squeaked this one out if it didn't have such a home field advantage, that one. So kudos to everything going on in Montreal. I love it. Yeah, I would say this is Trevor Harris's best game he's played now at the uniform. And maybe, well, he had one like 400-yard game against Calgary when he was with Edmonton last year. But one of the best games we've seen from Trevor Harris in a while. Adam? I wish that the song, I Will Remember You, we would have played that in the background while uh... – Copywriter, so we can't uh, play that in the background uh, for Ryan when he was talking about Nathan Rourke. But it's all good. Uh, we'll move on. Yeah, I'm kind of tempted to, you know, just put Nathan Rourke as my starting quarterback in my fantasy roster every week still anyways and still beat you guys. Wouldn't that be fun uh, if I could do that? Uh, with the, I believe in the rest of my team to lead the way without him. Let's take a look at our power rankings here for week number 11. Uh, I will go first on this one. I've got BC still at number one and Winnipeg at number two. Uh, and that is because for me, uh, well, Winnipeg, I don't move teams around when they're on a bye week. So Winnipeg was on a bye, so I can't quite move them up. And I'll stand by what I said earlier, that BC is not going to miss too much of a beat without uh, Nathan Rourke due to their defense, due to their receivers. So I I will leave them up top for now in my rankings with Winnipeg at number two. Calgary, despite the offensive woes, they find a way again to win another key football game here. They go in at number three for me. Uh, Montreal at four after they picked up two big wins in a row. Toronto five. Seems like they've got the pieces there, but just can't get it done. Same thing with Hamilton. But uh, Hamilton, I think, lost to a worse team in Montreal than Toronto did to Calgary. Saskatchewan, uh, we've talked a lot about the issues they're facing. They sit number seven. Edmonton, number eight for me. They picked up a good win over Ottawa, but it was a win over Ottawa at home. And also on the other side of that, that's why Ottawa ends up at number nine for me to for losing a game that they arguably should have been able to win at home. Let's take a look at Mike's rankings on the week uh they're pretty much the exact same as mine except winnipeg at number one and bc at number two switched around there and i think that's very reasonable right i I think mine's probably the outlier putting bc at number one still not too much of a surprise there let's go to your power rankings here adam tell us all what you've got yeah i uh I had to split mine up just a little bit here. Winnipeg, number one. I put Calgary at number two because, again, BC has an injury that they're going to have to deal with, and I think that pulls them back a little bit. That being said, you could probably put one, two, three, however way you want it. I think you're probably okay even putting Calgary two, three, and BC two. It doesn't make a difference right now. Those two or three are your top teams in the CFL. Uh, Toronto, number four, just because I think that they're probably the more complete team in the East. The Saskatchewan defense, I put at number five. I cannot, uh, in good conscience, put the offense there. 
Uh, but I can put the defense because I think they're pretty good. The Edmonton Elks, I'll put at number six. They've been better. Taylor Cornelius has started moving around a little bit, has helped that Edmonton Elks team a little bit as well. Uh, Montreal at number seven and Hamilton at number eight. Only reason Montreal was ahead of Hamilton is somehow they pulled off the victory. Uh, if this was penalty rankings, both of them would be number one and number two, respectively. And Saskatchewan would be number three. Uh, but it is, it is power rankings. So we'll go with Ottawa at number nine right now. And that's Saskatchewan offense. Again, get something going in that offensive line. I won't go on the same rant as I just did earlier tonight. But seriously, it's it's bad. Really bad. I mean, I don't know if there's much that could take that offensive line uh, seriously in this league. It looks terrible. Fix it up, please, so I don't have to keep doing this uh, for another week. Trey? What's your power rankings look like? Ah, oh, first of all, just to touch on my breaking news. So you're telling me that Chris Strebler is going to be the fourth stringer, but they're posting him on their Twitter site? Like, come on, man. The Jets themselves are posting the guy with the tats. Like, he's going to be the starter. But anyway, here, power rankings. If I could put Chris Strebler. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Man, the Twitter account on an NFL team putting the third string quarterback up there, that they don't do that, man. They don't do that. He's going places. I don't know much NFL, but I know the Jets have not very had very many successful quarterbacks in the Ryan, last Ryan, number of years. So Ryan, trade everything to get him in your fantasy team, man. Just do it. Just do it. But anyway, uh I think I said mine are the exact same as Mike's. Um yeah, for the same reason as uh, as like I, I think Mike has it. I just I think Winnipeg is the better team in the injury, and you know, and BC's the only team the BC's not to beat yet is Winnipeg, right? So I think that's the reason why I have that there. Calgary, yeah, they they just won, so they're gonna stick to third. Montreal, I think though, is on a hot streak, and that's why I have them above Toronto, even though they're a game down. I want to see Montreal continue. I think that could be their division. And then I have Toronto Hamilton. I'm going to keep Saskatchewan at seven. I do think they're better. You know, that's kind of where I, I guess if you did the average between uh, five and 10, I'm not a ma- uh, average major, but I think that's seven and a half, right? So <laughs> we'll put them there. And Edmonton and Ottawa are still going to be the bottom dogs for me until further notice, until uh, Deron Carter gets his chance at quarterback and wins the remaining games. Yeah. It's going to happen. Just watch. Yeah. yeah. Waiting for it. Uh, that those are our power rankings for week number 11 we'll see what they look like for week number 12 we'll see what week number 12 brings and uh, we'll talk about what we think it will bring here Wednesday night on the podcast with our week 12 preview show Uh, we'll go through the storylines for each game we'll talk fantasy options we'll make our picks against the spread once again join us Wednesday night 9 p.m Winnipeg time 8 p.m Saskatchewan time adjust to your other time zones accordingly. And uh, next Monday, uh, we'll be back here yet again for our our Week 12 recap. And Mike should be back, and we will go through uh, everything the way we did here tonight. Same time, same place as well. Uh, You can watch it live on YouTube. You can watch it live on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch as well. The Game Time TV YouTube page also. Shout out to our our presenting sponsor, Game Time TV. You can learn more at facebook.com slash gametimetvmb. You can also catch on, if you want to just catch the audio feed, you can catch it on your favorite podcast platform as well. You can find it on most of them. If there's one you do use and you can't find it there, 
let us know. Uh, you can uh, message us on Facebook, the Canadian Football Countdown there, or tweet us at CF Countdown Pod uh, if you want to uh, chat with us on social media. Make sure you check out all the other great shows from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network as well at CF Pod Network on Twitter. Uh, Adam, let's start with you here. Where can people find you and everything you've got going on these days? Uh, yeah, I'm over at Adam Stewart One. You can go there if you want to go and try to make up uh, the Tris Tre- Chris Trevler uh, won't make the New York Jets uh, Appreciation Club. Not that I really like Chris Trevler or anything, but uh, yeah, no. Uh, let's uh, let's get that trending on Facebook. Uh, Chris Trevler gets cut just because I want to see Trey's hopes and dreams be crushed. Anyways, you can also catch me over there for some good harvest action, which will be probably starting, oh, within a week or so here, probably. Uh, also, you could probably go and check out some of my YouTube videos at Farmer in Sask if you want to check that out. And hey, also make sure you go and check out our other uh, buddy who's on vacation right now, Mike Garrell, at Mike Garrell, or at GameTimeTVMB. Uh, either way, you'll get some good content from him. I think he's going to be doing a little bit more on hockey pretty soon. So it's crazy that we're already thinking about hockey. And, it, you know, it's not that far away, to be honest with you. Uh, Trey, where can people find you? And not watching a Jets game, I hope. Yeah, you know, yeah. Anyway, anyway, I, I'm I'm ashamed of myself. I had the new Madden for a whole weekend, and I never went to go find Chris Grebler on the game. I'm really ashamed of myself. I just thought of that now. I was like, damn it, I should go trade my first round pick for him right now before uh before the new update comes in and they put him at an 85 or something, right? So, uh, or cut or cut him. Who knows? But you can find me at Twitter at Trey MV Harness. Uh, I usually got some horse racing stuff on there. Uh, pretty busy weekend for horse racing i'm a little tired uh, from all from staying up watching that so you can find me there i'm always down to talk ufc i stayed up late watching that on saturday nfl season's coming up too nhl season at trey mb harness Ooh, if you want to talk the new game of thrones show oh my god i watched that last night that was or this morning that was pretty good too so at trey mb harness man ryan what about you Hey, you can find me on Twitter at Cooper Trooper 42 if you want to share in joining me in the morning the uh, non-death, but the, the injury loss of Nathan Rourke, as I have been all week. I still think he'll end up in the Hall of Fame, but, uh, you know, uh, Hall of Fame injury right there for Nathan Rourke. Uh, if you want to talk CFL, you want to talk CFL fantasy, I, I'm game for that there as well. Uh, NFL starting soon. I'm traditionally not an NFL guy. I make that known pretty regularly on the podcast. Trying to get a little more into it this year. I feel like every year I ask, you know, wh- which team should I cheer for? I never buy in on a certain team. Maybe I'm trying to get more into it again this year. So maybe this is the year. So let me know which NFL team I should uh, pick to back or cheer for this year. Uh, if Chris Trevor starts, it'll probably be the New York Jets. <laughs> but uh We'll see what happens there. Um, but yeah, anything you want to chat about uh, at Cooper Trooper 42 on Twitter for myself. Uh, Chris says not the Browns. Uh, well, sorry, Adam. Um, yeah, I'm open to uh, I'm open to potential uh, team fandom here for the NFL. Uh, I did have we did have somebody asking in the chat earlier about where our special guest episode is. We are still working on that. We're hoping to have that come in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. We might have multiple guest episodes coming in the near future, uh, which would be really fun. 
Uh, so we're hoping to uh, bring that all to you. But uh, we appreciate everybody who hung out in the live chat with us here tonight, as usual. Uh, and whatever podcast platform you're listening on, we uh, we love it if you do all the fun things, such as like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, share the show with your friends, help us grow the show. We very much always appreciate that. We appreciate the support. We appreciate all of you tagging along with us throughout the journey that is this CFL season. We're having a lot of fun along the way with it. Uh, on behalf of our panel here this evening, Trey Colbeck, Adam Stewart, I'm Ryan Coop saying thank you for listening. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.